Old Testament reading this morning is from the 50th chapter of the book of Isaiah, beginning at verse 4 and continuing through verse 9. In the New King James Version, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, and I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore... I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me, who will contend with me. Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he that who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Here ends this reading. From God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is taken from the gospel according to Luke in the third chapter, verses 21 and 22, relating to us the culmination of the story of Jesus' baptism. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus, who had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Here ends this reading. From God's holy word. The baptism of the Lord. That which we celebrate this day. Marks the beginning. It's the beginning of a new chapter. In the gospel story. As the calendar also reminds us. We have also entered into a new chapter. In the story of our lives and that of our church as well. It is a fitting time then for us to recall the climactic meeting between Jesus and John at the Jordan. And its ramifications both for them and for us. John the Baptist as he had come to be known had been about his ministry there in the rural northern Jordan Valley long enough by this time that he had attracted a fair bit of attention both from folks in that region and even from as far away as Jerusalem. The message that he had there been proclaiming was a message of repentance and baptism. He was calling the people to acknowledge their sin and then to act on that acknowledgement. Now, admittedly, 
that doesn't sound as if it were a recipe for attracting large crowds, either in John's day or in any other day for that matter. But from the biblical stories about him and his unusual ministry, it seems as if he did indeed generate a fair bit of interest. Many people, we are told, came to see and to hear him, and some of them were quite intrigued by him, and some of them began to wonder if perhaps he could be the Messiah, the one who had been promised to the people. John, though, was very clear about his identity and his mission. He knew he was to be a voice crying out in the wilderness, and he was also to be one who would prepare the way to till the ground, to break up the hard, dry soil of the people's hearts, that they would then be more accepting and open to receiving the seed which the coming Messiah was being sent by the Father to plant in all of them. Before the Lamb of God came to his people, then preparatory work for his arrival was already underway. John seems to have known that the long-awaited one would be coming sometime soon. And yet, even so, when he whom John had described as far more powerful than he presented himself there at the Jordan, the Baptist was amazed, for he could not have imagined the theophany, the divine revelation and blessing that was to come as a result of this encounter. This miraculous event marked the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry. And as we noted at the outset, this was the beginning of a new chapter in the gospel story. The old era had now passed, and a new one is getting underway. Jesus, who was, as truly God and truly man, the sinless one, had come to a man of flesh and sin in John, seeking baptism. Of all people, here was the only one who wasn't in need of that which John was dispensing as an agent of God. Yet, in humility and obedience to the will, not of himself, but of the Father, Jesus submitted to this act of ritual cleansing in so doing, we were told, the Holy Spirit descended bodily upon him as a sign for all to see that he was being anointed by the Father for a very special and unique ministry and mission. Though it was everyone else there who needed to be washed clean, Jesus took upon himself the sins of all, and he had come to remove them from us once and for all. This vocation would lead him from the Jordan to Jerusalem, from Calvary to the garden, from life to death to life again. As we, in our own humility and obedience to the will, not of ourselves, but that of the Father, presents ourselves as willing servants 
four unique missions and ministries, where might we be led? Not to engender a Messiah complex, for we certainly aren't comparable to the perfection of Jesus, but more like John, who set to work readying the people for the coming of the Word of God into their hearts and eventually into their neighborhoods. What if we hear and obey the command of God calling for us to listen to Jesus and inviting and encouraging others to do that very same thing. These are the things that I would like us to consider as we dedicate this new year of 2022 to the one who has authored it. How may we be more open to hearing the word of God and thereby sensing his will for us? I'd like to propose that one way, which is based on observing the manner in which John and then Jesus both related to God, one as a prophet and the other as a beloved son did. Now, both of them are held up for us as figures who put aside their own wills, their own desires in fuller service to the wills and desires revealed by God. Both of them could have had it a whole lot easier if they had just done their own thing. Each of them followed the way that had been set out for them by God, a way that would lead to hardship and to suffering and ultimately even to death. A reminder that the way of the Lord is not always the easy way, but rather quite often the harder way indeed. Why then would anyone in their right mind choose to take such a way? In the Pilgrim's Progress, the protagonist, Christian, leaves his old life behind, his home and even his family who refused to follow for the sake of the journey via the one way to a celestial city, or as it says in the subtitle, from this world to the world which is to come. At one point in his arduous journey, he meets two men coming in the opposite direction on the road that was leading him to his destination. One is called Timorous and the other Mistrust. As he greets them, he inquires of them, Sirs, what is the matter? You run the wrong way. Timorous answered that they were going to the city of Zion and had got up to that difficult place. But, said he, the farther we go, the more danger we meet with, wherefore we turned and are going back again. As we make our own progress through this new year, I don't doubt that we too will face difficulties and trials. John, Jesus, all the disciples that we read about, all the saints throughout the ages, they've all faced them. But unlike timorous and mistrust, they did not turn tail. Rather, they relied on God to see them through their journey. Not always in the manner in which they would have preferred, mind you, but God did see them all through to his glory. 
All roads lead to Rome. It used to be observed back in the days when the capital of the empire was the center of the Western universe, the so-called Eternal City, which eventually and spectacularly fell. But as time would attest to, the truth is, all roads lead to ruin, all save but one. That road is really a way, as Jesus reminded us, when he announced, I am the way and the truth and the life. At his baptism, Jesus knew that he was being sealed by the Father for a life's work of service. We who have been baptized in the name of the same triune God were also told that we were receiving a visible sign and seal of an invisible working of the divine upon us at our baptism. That, like Jesus, we were to live no longer for ourselves, but for a much greater purpose, pleasure, and glory, to walk a different way. What will that look like in this new year? I heard on the radio recently that the number one reported New Year's resolution had to do, not surprisingly, with personal fitness, with things like losing weight, like diet and exercise. And perennially, it seems, this is at the very top of the list of resolutions. Folks, after all, want to look and feel better which tells me that as they take stock of things at the end of one year and the start of the next, they aren't satisfied with the way things are, with the way they are, with the way they are upon. How about us, church? Are we satisfied with the way things are? Or are there things that we would like to see improved? In 2022, things in the world, things that we have been or ought to be addressing with our time, our talents, our treasures, but also and no less importantly in our own lives, particularly in our relationship with God and our attentiveness to his word and the call he has placed upon each of us, the claim he has staked to each of us since the very moment of our baptism, which way are we upon? I do hope we will all spend this year wrestling anew with such crucial, urgent, consequential things. It doesn't matter how old you are, nor how young, how healthy or how unwealthy, or unhealthy, how wise or foolish you are, God has and does and will use all that he has made and claimed for himself as long and as far as we are willing, open and receptive to his call upon us, that which has been confirmed in our baptism, whether we then consented to it or not. The start of a new year is a great opportunity to reflect on such things, to remember our baptism, and to be thankful, 
to renew our commitment to fulfilling the promises that we made or that were made on our behalf on that day, to reflect upon the loving heart of the Father on display at his own son's obedience at the Jordan and upon the sacrificial love the Son has for we, his people. In 2022, then, my prayer is that we would all seek to do and to be that which God has reason then to say, Beloved, with you I am well pleased. For that we may truly say, thanks be to God, and amen.